Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Now, it's been great to be here. I don't know if you uh, were here for the weekend, but uh, it's been a fantastic time here together uh, in the Lord's presence. Man, how about that worship team, man? It's like, these guys are killing it. Yeah, man. Yeah, not only are they good, but they, they worship. That's the key right there. And uh, I'm still scratching my head over what Andrew says about the 20 years. I go, who knew? He got some old materials and a connection with, you know, someone here that gave it to him, and I'm just thinking, wow, it's just so amazing. But more than anything is to see your pastor model it, you know, to, to do it. I mean, and I, I'm not kidding you, of all the churches I've been to, which is many, uh, in, in speaking and going to places and travel and training and all that over the last 20 years of our ministry, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a senior pastor actually do it. So I am so stoked that, you know, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I think from what I see here, you're, you're benefiting from the results, too, uh, in, in terms of uh, covering for you guys, the worship team, and just using your authority and understanding you have an environment in which is, uh, someone is addressing things that may be hindering people from receiving and entering in. And uh, I just, uh, we, we need more of that. You know, the crazy thing is, is that the authority that Jesus has given every one of you uh, to use uh, is, interestingly, the most characteristic sign of Jesus' ministry. I mean, that's the thing people commented on, you know. Uh, you might remember the story when he was in church, and, you know, he's there preaching. He's given his inaugural address. Luke chapter 4, here's why I've come. Proclaim good news uh, to those who are uh, released to the prisoners. Proclaim good news to the captives. Set them free, etc. That um, uh, in that moment, that in, in that church setting, then some guy manifests a demon there right, right in the front row. And uh, Jesus speaks to it and says, you know, be silent and, and come out of him, right? And then right after, the people go, wow, with authority. You know, can you imagine if that happened in church? You know, not seeing anybody here in the front row, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> if that happened in church, just A or B, just a simple question, A or B, after lunch, when everybody goes to lunch, are they going to say, wow, that was amazing how Andrew handled that with authority? Or would you say, did you see the freaking church? You know, which one would it be? It would probably be the freaking church, right? I mean, like, what was wrong with that guy? That was crazy. I mean, we'd be kind of blown away by the story or what happened in church. But the people, when they left, they talked about, wow, Jesus handled that with authority. He teaches with authority. We haven't heard this before. And you'll hear that remarked about, thank you so much, over and over again in the scriptures about he gave authority. Do you know that authority that Jesus gave to every believer, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He said, nothing will harm you. Then he commissioned his disciples in Matthew 10, 1. He says, uh, uh, here, I'm going to give you my authority now. Here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to go out and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And we could talk about that a week on its own. Proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I want you to use the authority to heal sick people. And I want you to use authority to raise dead people. I want you to use authority to cast out demons, and to uh, cleanse the lepers. I want you to use authority for this purpose. Do you realize that's the only equipment he gave us to do those things? You say, oh, well, wait, wait, what about Acts 1-8 where he, so you receive the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, you empower you, you, you will be my witnesses. Yes, yes, and we talked about this 
yesterday that the Holy Spirit is the power source, but authority is the act of faith on our part that releases that power. You can't just go around and say, okay, well, I have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is anointing me, and, and stand by a sick person, they're going to get well, you know, unless maybe you're Paul, you got the shadow thing going or something, or one of those fancy handkerchiefs he had, whatever that, that was. And, you know, the model that Jesus gave us was to speak things to illness. Do you realize that in the Bible, there is no one who ever asked God, who's praying for someone and ministering to someone else, no one ever asked God to do it. No one, no one ever asked God, oh, hey, God, would you please heal this person? But yet, I grew up, that was the main way uh, that I learned to pray because I heard other people do it. And, you know, oh, Lord, this guy's a great guy. We love this guy. Lord, have mercy on him. Will you please heal him? And I never saw anybody get healed that way. Not that they haven't been healed that way. Or, you know, we say, oh, well, God knows my heart. He knows what I meant. And I go, well, uh, what about your heart to do what he did the way he said to do it? Do you know what I'm saying? So what Jesus did and the disciples after him, it's the only model we have that he, they spoke to sickness directly, you know. Be healed, pick up your mat and walk, get up, Lazarus, come forth, all that kind of thing. Those are direct commands. And in regard to the evil one, Satan, it's the very same thing. There's no model at any time of ever anyone asking God to bind Satan. That's your job to do according to the scriptures and the model that Jesus gave. But we don't do that. We hear all kinds of things. Oh, Lord, please bind Satan. Please make the bad man go away. You know, whatever. But it's in, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that commands are given. It's all through the book of the Gospels and even after in the book of Acts, which is even more significant for us because of the book of Acts, those folks are in the same position that you and I are. Living without the physical presence of Jesus among them, now living and relying on the unseen presence of Jesus who is in them and with them by the Holy Spirit who has empowered them. And now when, when, when Paul is in, uh, witnessing to the governor and, and uh, this guy's trying to interrupt and the Bible says this guy was a sorcerer, he was using his little mojo, his little witchcraft or whatever. Paul doesn't, you know, just allow that. Barmas is probably over there going, oh, Lord, please make him shut up. You know, that's not working. But Paul says, hey, no, we're not going to have any of that, you know. I can see what you're doing is of evil. So here, here's the deal. You're going to be blind for a period of time and unable to see the light of the sun. And up until that point, the governor who had invited Paul to, to speak about Jesus, he hadn't believed. After that little encounter, it says the governor saw this and then believed. He saw the power of God over the power of evil. And that is really the upshot of why God has given us authority to use it to people in need, for he didn't come to save, to, to seek out those who were already well as a physician, but those who were sick and in need. So you're going to see more things happen in your spiritual life. This is the most transforming thing in my spiritual life to discover the authority God has given us. And I really got into it in seminary trying to study about it. You know, it's like I focused on the kingdom of God primarily and Oh, man, he's given us authority. He said, well, let's try some of this stuff, you know. I remember going to my professor and saying, well, what about this? You make it sound like we, we should be casting out demons. He goes, well, yeah. And I go, well, you know, what do we do? And he goes, well, you're going to have to figure that out. So we just started trying stuff, you know. We'd never done before. Felt really weird. Have you ever taken a class, like especially when you're in junior high or high school, and you like a foreign language class, and you're speaking, and you go there, and you, and you, you know, it's your turn to say something in this foreign language, 
And it feels really awkward. You're super self-conscious, and so you don't do, like, if it's Spanish, you know, they want you to say, como esta usted? You know, they want you to say it, like, and then roll your R's. My name is Guillermo, you know, something like that. Now, as a junior high guy, I ain't going to be saying it like that. You know what I mean? You're going to go, uh, como esta usted? Or something like that. And it feels awkward because you've never spoken this strange language. And believe me, when I started out, because I was raised, my, my wife and I both Mennonites back to probably Menno himself or, you know, from way back in the day. And on both sides of our family. And so this was like new to me. And so we go to these places. And I remember one time we were praying for this woman. And uh, she had this big knot in her back. She, she worked for an elder in our church. And she was just, he goes, I, my business will not survive without this lady. We got to pray for B. She was a large African-American woman. And we went to her home, and she's trying to support like seven people in her little house. And we gathered around her, and we prayed. And she had something in here. Joan said, you know, I just feel like there's a knot in there. And she goes, I, I, I heal hip like that. And we just started laughing. Like, that sounds so stupid, you know, to say, to speak to a body part. It was embarrassing. But the lady starts going, oh, hallelujah. You know, she starts getting there and go, is this kind of some thing she's doing? Like, a, I don't know, maybe, a, you know, a church vibe she's got going on or whatever. And she goes, no, I'm healed. She's bending over. Hey, she be careful, you know. I don't want to get sued here, you know, or something like that. And so she's bending over and she goes, you guys want something to eat? And, she, and I go, well, you know, can you sit? So, yeah, she sat down right away. And that was like one of our first healings we ever saw. We go, oh, man, it's like, what, that really happened, you know? And I go, well, maybe you shouldn't wear your heels, and so I called Dan, who was the boss the next day, the elder. I said, Dan, did, did B come to work today? He goes, oh, yep, she's back wearing her heels and all, sitting in her chair working. I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So, I mean, we were excited, you know, because we, we were fumbling around. And, and I tell you that because it's important to know. Like, I so appreciate what Andrew said about so, these people on thing, <laughs> prayers just talking to God. I thought right away, well, well, why did Jesus give us a model then? The Lord's Prayer. He said, pray, this is how you should pray. How many of you even use the model? Which, by the way, as we learned yesterday, is all in the aorist tense. There's, there's not a request in there. It's, oh, Lord, may it be this way. May it be this way. Let it be so now in, in the original language. And so there are a lot of things we can learn about prayer just by starting with the model that he gave us. And then watching Jesus when he now he's not praying anymore when he addresses sickness or he addresses the demonic and he, and he does things like that. He speaks things. Even when he speaks the word of God, he, he declares it. He said it is written. He, he speaks it. It will be so because this is the law of God, the rule of God. And this morning I want to look at a story because uh, uh, I, I think this illustrates in a way uh, what, what Jesus is talking about in us using our authority to deal with the storms. Now, in, if you turn with me in Mark chapter 4. Uh, I thought about titling this, Mark chapter 4, and uh, I thought about titling this uh, uh, A Tale of Two Storms, which is what I, you know, would call it. But I thought, well, what if I don't get to the second storm? So then it would be, we'll just change it to A Tale of One Storm, okay? Or the other title I thought about is uh, Who's in Your Boat? I want you to think about that, who's in your boat, who's in your crew? Because a lot of us try to live this life and go through these struggles and face the storms that we face by ourselves. You know, we're crying out to God all the time. Oh, Lord, help me, help me. But he, he designed us to be together. And you're going to see a lot more if we can be with a crew, some people to support you, to pray for you, to battle for you, to, to be your guard, to be your Aaron or your her at a certain time. Let's look those guys up there in the Old Testament. And, and you know, they were a significant part of supporting Moses so that the battle was won. 
So I want us to think about who, also who's in your boat, okay? And what we're going to talk about today in this chapter is about how Jesus is illustrating how to handle a storm. Here's the deal. If I was have time, and we're going uh, uh, to try this, if it was to be a tale of two storms, the storm would be like this. One storm is a storm that you speak to and stop. That's the one we're going to look at first. The second storm is a storm that you endure. You're just going to have to endure. So how do you tell the difference? You know, which one should I write out and which one should I speak to and stop? Okay. Now, the second one, the first one here is Jesus stopping the storm was across the lake. That's the first one. The second one is when Paul takes a boat right in Acts 27 and 28 or 26 and 27. I'll find it when I get there. Okay. But it's that journey. And if we don't have time to cover it, I want you to read it and put yourself on that boat in that situation, because it is a, an insane ride. It's an insane ride. And it, it, I mean, it is unbelievable the thing this guy goes to. You know, I mean, from one shipwreck, one problem to another, and then finally gets on an island and gets bit by a snake. And I mean, it's crazy, okay? But to see God in that storm, we're going to talk about that, about when you endure and when not to endure. Here's the problem. Many of us here are putting up with things that are happening in our lives right now that God's never intended for you. And the worst thing is we start to interpret it. And we throw things around like, oh, God's in control, meaning I just, just trust him and it's que sera, sera. I'm just going to ride it out and suck it up. I admire you for that kind of trust. But on the other hand, I think, do you really have to do it? What, is it bringing fruit forth in your life? like the kind of discipline or suffering or persecution that God allows in order to mold us, or is it bringing destruction? That's what you have to ask. Remember what Jesus said, the thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. So you just think about the different ways that is. You know, like it might not be just murderous death, although he does try to kill people, but things he's trying to kill, take life out of, suck the life out of, to bring death to it. Like sin brings death. When we sin, we don't die immediately, but sin brings spiritual death over time, doesn't it? And death to self in some way, some kind of destruction. He came to kill, steal, to take from you. What about your business? What about the work that you do? What about the things that you've sown into that are not yielding or producing some kind of a fruit, whether it's ministry or your personal life or, or your devotional life? So let's look here at Mark 4. Uh, Jesus calms the storm, says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, okay? And if we could put up that, that first slide, the little map, I want you to see where he went across. I actually took this journey, uh, and I was ready, man. You know, it was a nice day, but I was ready, okay? Nothing on the horizon, Okay. All right. Thank God. I would have been scared anyway. Um, so it says, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Now, I want you to stop right here. Let us go over to the other side. How many of you had a red-letter Bible? Is that in red in your Bible? Okay. Is Jesus who said, uh, I and the Father are one, right? I'm the exact, he's the exact representation of the Father's being. Philip, don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? That's what Jesus said, right? So if Jesus says something, is that the will of God? Is it the will of God? Now, if the Son of God says, hey, 
Let's go to the other side of the lake. Is that the will of God? Yeah, that's right. Okay, it's the will of God. Somebody says, this is the plan. This is God's plan. Jesus said, I do nothing unless the Father tells me. I only do what my Father says. I only say what he's commanded me to say. So let's go to the other side of the lake. So that's the Father's plan. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Okay? Remember that. That's key to your life. That's key to using your authority. That's key to knowing what's up when you're facing a storm is to know what has God said. And it might cause you to go back to that or better for you to know the word of God so well you already know what his plan is, what he desires. You know what the enemy wants, death, destruction, and, and, and to steal, to take, okay? So now, remember that. He, let us go over to the other side, the word of God. Leaving the crowd now, they took him along just as he was because he had just been teaching on the shore. Uh, crowds, it was crowded, he stepped into a boat. And he's teaching from there, and then they say he just took off just like he was. He just took off as he was. Maybe he didn't have anything with him or whatever. So he went, and there were other boats with him. And then a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. A lot of people make a big deal. I think the dude was just beat. Okay, I'm beat. It's why, you know, I taught six hours. He's been teaching all day and doing this thing. I think he was just tired, okay? I don't know if there's some big significance. The real point of this story is coming up. So the disciples woke up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? How many times do you approach the Lord, even right now in your situation, or you feel this way? I do. You got a bad thing going on in your life or something's happening, you go, God, don't you care? How many of you prayed that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you all. You've all done it. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care that I'm drowning? It might be emotional drowning. It might be some kind of circumstance you're going through. Lord, don't you care if I drown? Now, these guys get scolded for saying that. And Jesus says, where's your faith? Oh, man, you know, Mr. Compassion, thank you for that. Don't you care if we drown? So Jesus gets up, probably a little bit grumpy. He's been sleeping, you know. This little child, she's just a little smart. She's, I love this little girl, Eva. She, when she was really young, she goes, Jesus is grumpy. And her brother goes, no, he's not. He's not grumpy. He goes, no, he's grumpy. And she reads something, I go, yeah, I think she's kind of right. He's probably grumpy. He, was, he seems irritated sometimes at the disciples. And, you know, maybe he's woke up here. You know, he's, he's got this, still this clothed in this flesh at this point. You know, maybe... You know, maybe he's just a little grumpy, uh, upset. Like, and, but I'm going, hey, man, we're, we're panicking here. Now, remember, these guys are experienced fishermen. These guys, are, their daddies were probably on the lake. These guys were on the lake. And now they're freaked out. The Bible says it's terrified. The other passages here, they were, they were terrified. These experienced fishermen who made their living out there. And they're scared because this thing came out of nowhere, Okay. And so uh, Jesus gets up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves. Now, let's hold on one minute, okay. No one uses the word rebuke in the Bible. It's never in red. And I hear Christians say, oh, I rebuke you, Satan. Have you tried that with your children or your dog? You know, or your classroom teacher? Class is talking. I rebuke you. Your dog, I rebuke you. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, like. That, it's so weird that we say those things, okay, because they're never said. Okay, now a rebuke, if you look it up, is just a, a summary word. It means that something harsh or direct was said to someone else. But that's not the word he used. 
And it's very ineffective. In real life ministry or deliverance, you get the Scooby-Doo look. You think like, well, what am I supposed to do? You have to have a direct order command. You know, it's like with the junior hire. You know how they want to come right up to the line, you know? Or, or a young child moving to adolescence, you come right up to that line, you tell them not to do this, and they just come right up there, and their toes are barely hanging over, you know? Is that a violation? You know, you got to tell the enemy, you know, in the name, you, you, you can't cross this line. You, you've got to give direct orders. So the order here that Jesus gives, and here's the words he used, here is the rebuke. Quiet, be still. In the Greek, it's be muzzled or shut up. That'll work. Stop it. If you don't know anything else to say, say, in the name of Jesus, stop it. That's good. But then say, go away. You know, you want it to go away. You don't want to just stop. But in this case, it's a storm, okay? Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. Then he said to disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, number one, I'm afraid because we're about to die. Okay, that's number one. You know, and so the emotion of fear, he's not addressing. He's not condemning them or blaming them for having the emotion of fear. He's, he's speaking to them. He's chastising them for not having, for having fear that what he said was going to come about despite the circumstance. I always thought it was interesting when Jesus uh, invited uh, Peter to come at that time to walk in the, in the waves. He didn't calm the waves first. You know, that would have been nice. Hey, can you just kind of smooth things out for me there? You know what I mean? It's like trying to wakeboard on a big old, you know, you know, like, hey, let's just wait till it's calm. And so he lets, the, he lets the waves rise up, and that's what freaked Peter out a little bit, you know, and that's why he started sinking. He took his eyes off Jesus because he was looking at the waves, and that's how it is with our emotions a lot of time. We have these emotions, they well up, and we want Jesus to take away those emotions, okay? But he wired us that way. You're going to have fear in a situation like this. I don't care how awesome you are, you know. But the, the, fear that is, the fear that immobilizes you from acting in faith, that's the kind of fear that uh, Jesus is talking about. The fear that immobilizes you from acting in faith is not, that, that's the kind of fear that you want to say no in Jesus' name. Even though I feel afraid, I reject that kind of fear that would keep me from acting according to the word of God or acting in faith because God has not given me a spirit of fear but a spirit of his power, love, and sound mind, even though I might feel afraid. I remember a time in my office, actually, a, a, a girl that used to be my student, become close family friends, she brought in a friend and said, can you pray for her? And in the course of that, as we were praying, I said, Lord, would you expose anything that's not of God that's hindering her in her life? And, and then I, I shifted to authority, which I would recommend to you. So just two things to remember. You ask Jesus... Use authority. Jesus, would you reveal, because the authority part is my job, like a police officer, you know? Like a police officer. They've been given authority to act. You don't call the captain every time, say, hey, come down here and, you know, help me write this ticket for this parking guy. You know, so you go, well, what did I hire you for? I gave you authority, you know? You deal with it. You've been commissioned. You've been given authority. So this girl, she's in there, and as I pray, Lord Jesus, will you show if there's anything hindering her life? And then I said, in Jesus' name, if there's anything not of God, I didn't have to say devil or demon or anything weird. I said, if there's anything not of God or that's hindering her to walk, I command you to come into the light and be exposed. So, you know, so we know what we're dealing with. It's kind of a test. It's kind of like, hey, is there anything? It's like a flashlight going, 
hmm, is there anything down in there, you know? I'm going to shine the light of Christ on you. And in Jesus' name, I expose it. And when I did that, this spirit came up in her and just kind of just glared like this. And, and right away, you know, you could tell it was not her anymore, but something had taken over. And, and, and her girlfriend, you know, Sean, this is the friend that I knew that brought her. And she just goes like this. She goes, here's her friend. She goes, <laughs> just like this. She turns away like and I said, Sean, are, are you afraid? And, and she said, she shook her head. And I go, Sean, you, you believe the words of Jesus, right? That I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Do you believe that that's true, that God said that in his word? She goes, yeah. I go, but you're still, you feel afraid, right? She goes, yeah. Okay. Can you just say, Lord Jesus, I feel afraid. But I believe, and I had to repeat this, I believe that you give me authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm me. And, okay, now I said, can you turn to your friend and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command whatever this is to be bound and come out of her. And it came out. And we asked the Lord to fill that person, restore them. But that day really changed Sean's life. Uh, heretofore that time, before that time, she was locking the windows at night as if that would keep the devil out, you know, or something. And she was afraid for her kids, and she'd double-check the doors, and she had a hard time sleeping, but after that, she became a one-legged, one-legged devil-kicking machine right there after that. She, so, I mean, she, you know, she got it. She, she did it. And once you are, know and have confidence in who Jesus is, then there, you don't have that fear anymore. You have, and no one can understand fear more than I about the devil, I don't think. I, I've never heard a story as bad as mine where I was afraid to go to the restroom and walk through a room that was empty where they had talked about spiritual warfare. And I was already in my 30s. And I'm 35 now, but no, I'm just kidding. Okay. But I, afraid, I, walked through, I, I walked through this room and I was afraid to go through that room. Uh, just because it was talked about. The room was empty. There was nobody in there. And then to be uh, uh, comfortable now in the presence of Jesus... Uh, because he's given us authority. So they, they went through this thing. They said, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? And I think of the story with the centurion. He said, this guy has the greatest faith in all of Israel that I've ever seen. And the centurion understood authority. He says, yeah, I, I get this thing. I get the authority thing. I'm a man of authority. I know how it works. You just say the word, my servant will be healed. You don't have to come to the house. And Jesus was amazed. He said, there was another per there's another person, I can't think of it right now, but there's another guy, I think it was a, a daughter that had uh, died or something, I can't remember, but the point is that, that uh, this person also believed in a miracle that happened away from him, but Jesus didn't say, I was amazed at that guy's faith. I think Jesus was amazed at his faith because he understood authority. He goes, I've been trying to get these 12 guys to understand this. Jesus, just say the word. But now he's given us authority to say the word, and he wants to speak to that storm. So now, get this. Here's the point. Why do you speak to the storm? What was so important about this storm? Well, look what happens in the next chapter. He frees the most demonized man in the world. We're all familiar with the story. And again, Jesus says, come out of this man. We could spend a lot of time with this, you impure spirit. Notice the language. Come out, and we would have to say, in the name of Jesus, come out of this man you impure spirit. And then Jesus find out there's more than one. 
So there's a process here. It didn't come out the first time. It says, for Jesus had commanded the Spirit to come out. Then Jesus said, what is your name? We would have to say in the name of Jesus, what is your name? In other words, well, what reason are you here? How would you get here in the name of Jesus? And then he says, well, we're many people. We, you know. And then this process of begging over and over again, right? And then you know about the pigs. And he said, well, they begged Jesus over and over to the pigs. Why the pigs? You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's financial. I go, no, that doesn't make sense. The part that doesn't make sense is why were they afraid, the people in the area afraid, after this man was set free and the demons went to the pigs? Why were they afraid? Every other time somebody gets delivered or free, people were stoked. They were praising God. They were going, oh, hallelujah, man, this is awesome. Praise God. He's a given authority to men. Like, that's oh, unbelievable. But now they're afraid and they tell him to go away. Why is that? Well, I feel like the Lord revealed this to me when I was in Israel. I got the chance to steward these five PhD guys, biblical scholars and archaeologists. And we went across the boat, on the boat to this area. And they were doing this thing that we found black pigs in this area, uncovered black pigs on these inscriptions in this area. And so these pigs were used in ritual sacrifice to their pagan gods. And then given the experiences I had with people in the occult, coming out of the occult practices and what they did, I go, oh, now it makes sense to me. And if this is a right reading, it, to me it makes the most sense. The reason Jesus sent the pigs in there, not only did Jesus free the most demonized man that we have seen in the Bible, but we, we see Jesus free a region of demonic uh, its demonic supply system for its, its ritual sacrifices. He frees a region. That's why they were so afraid. Who is this guy? Get out of here. He confronted the regional powers in that area by dealing with those spirits. That was the supply source. When a pig or any other animal is sacrificed, uh, they wanted to go in the pigs. They go, if we can't be in this body, then we want to be in those pigs, knowing those pigs were going to be sacrificed. When the pigs are sacrificed, the demons are released back into the people who are worshiping and are offering that sacrifice. So they thought, okay, well, we can't be in this guy. Let us go in there. Because we'll get back into some other people later. And so this was a huge, huge cleanup for Jesus. A huge victory. Not only was a man freed, but he freed an entire region. He confronted the powers of an entire region and asserted his lordship over the region of Gergesa. And I want us to know about that. Why does that have anything to do with you? Because if your storm, the mountain that you're facing that Jesus said to speak to, if your storm is keeping you from getting to where Jesus wants you to go, even if it's just to the other side of the lake. More often than not, though, your storm or the battle you're facing is keeping you from fulfilling the purpose God has called you to. And you keep bumping into that mountain. You keep bumping into that storm. You keep facing that storm. And you can never get through it. And you're calling out, oh, God, oh, God. When the Israelites were up against the Red Sea, and, and their people are crying, oh, God, save us. Why should we should have stayed in these? God basically says, tell the people to shut up. He says, tell them to stop calling out to me. You can interpret that. Tell them to stop praying, calling out to me. He said, Moses, stretch out your staff, that symbol of authority. Stretch out your staff. You part the sea. You do it. That's why he gave you the authority. And he wants you to speak to the storm. And so we obviously didn't have time to get to the second storm. You can read that. But I want you now, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask Jesus, as the worship team comes, I'm going to ask Jesus to reveal to you what's the storm you're facing in your life, okay? Maybe you already know as I've been talking. Maybe you, you think, hey, here's all I'm asking you to do. 
start testing things. If it doesn't line up with what you believe God has called you to do, if it doesn't line up with what you know about God or know about his word, I want you to speak to it. I want you to gather, if you can, as a family or with another person or another brother or sister, and I want you to speak to it. That means you need to speak to it out loud. This may be new for you, like taking a foreign language class. I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, if, if I love that word if, maybe it's not demonic, we don't know. Maybe it's a barrier. Here's what Jesus said, not about demonic things. If, yeah, after he performed the miracle of the fig tree, remember when he cursed the fig tree, like how random was that, you know? And it withered when they came back. And Jesus said, look, let me tell you something. You guys can not only do what I did to the fig tree, you can say to, did you hear that? You can say to this mountain. Don't pray that the mountain goes. He said, you can say to this mountain, this barrier, this hindrance, be uprooted and cast into the sea. If you believe and you have faith in, by asking in prayer. So there it is, authority and prayer combined. Ask Jesus, use authority. Let's ask the Lord now to bring up that storm in your mind. I would like you today here, if you would stand when a storm comes your mind, and because we want to equip the body to do this, I want you to stand and I want you to, you can whisper. I don't want you shouting in front of everybody your storm. You, you, I mean, you can if you want, but... It's kind of weird, but I mean, just, you know, just, you can even whisper it so other people don't hear it. But what I'd like to do is, is when they stand, I'd like a couple other people just stand with it, lay their hands up, and just agree with them. Just go, nod your head, or say, yes, Lord. Or if they're willing to share that with you, they can stand and speak to that. You can be a huge uh, change agent in people's lives, non-Christian, unbelievers, neighbors. You can say, hey, can I just pray with you? And you can add that. And you can speak to that storm. That's one of the ways that uh, people get intrigued about God and they see things change in their life and they uh, get a chance to lead them to Christ just by ministering to them. So I want to just encourage you to use it wherever you go. If you're afraid, if you feel that you need protection, hey, if this is spiritual, in Jesus' name, no harm will come near me, in Jesus' name. I'm going to close by asking now, the Lord, come Holy Spirit of God. I'm asking you, Father in heaven, who promised Jesus, you said it's good that you went away, you'd give us another counselor who would lead us in the truth. You would take from the Father and make it known to us. Lord, if it's not already conscious, or especially, Jesus, if it's not being perceived as something that you have not willed, if it's just being blindly accepted, we command now that uh, the power of deception be broken and we expose and command into the light any storm that you have not willed for their life that's not producing fruit. In any way, someone who's getting worked by the enemy or getting played, in Jesus' name, we expose it right now. Satan, you will not hide. I command you to come into the light. You cannot hide from God's people. For the Bible says we are not ignorant of his schemes, and we expose them now in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, will you shine your light? Holy Spirit of truth, shine your light so that they know. We separate it like light is from darkness so they can just see distinctly that, hey, maybe this is something I should address. If something comes to mind while I'm praying, you're aware of something, and you want to address it here with the support of the body of Christ in agreement with me, would you stand?
not going to make you do anything weird. We're just going to have you whisper it. We're going to speak to it. We just stand wherever you are. More, Jesus. We forbid confusion or battle over this or any kind of deception. Now, I just want you to put your hand out. You don't have to stick it way out. Just put it out there, whatever. And when we get to the part, I want you to name it. All I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, if this is not of God, I command you to stop and be removed. Just, just like that. In Jesus' name, I command you to stop and be removed. Now, Lord, we stand in agreement, the body of Christ with them. We say, quiet, be still, to the storm in the mind, the storm in their home, the storm in their family. In Jesus' name, whatever God has not willed or ordained for that life, we command you now to be still, be quiet. Be uprooted and cast into the sea in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we claim your freedom and look for the fruit as we deal with this. Lord, if there's something unresolved that needs to be done, something practical that needs to be done as part of this storm that they haven't seen or known before, will you reveal it? We shine your light on that spirit of God. Father, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you've given even one of, each one of us authority. And I pray, Lord, for an impartation of your spirit now that each one would grow in that confidence as they look through the scriptures, as they begin to emulate the things you said and the way you said them and the way the disciples said them, the way they handled situations. Lord, open their eyes and we command the blinding effects to be removed, blinding effects that come about through maybe years of, of, of just not seeing things or hearing things the same way. We break that pattern or any stronghold that keeps them from seeing uh, what Jesus wants them to see in the word so they can apply it and live victoriously in their lives. And Lord, to know the difference between uh, when, when the storm doesn't stop, when to press on or whether to look for you like Paul did for the angel, for the word to come so that he could endure in Jesus' name. But far be it from us, Lord. And far be it from you to allow us to endure something you have not willed for us that would distract us from our purpose, that would keep us from getting on to, to the other side that you want us to get on to, to fulfill your purpose. Lord, I pray you're covering over each one and over this church and this time and the things that were imparted and seal them and forbid any retaliation. And now may the peace of Christ rest with each one. And will you bless the faith of those who stood here to address their storm as we've agreed with them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.